Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, San Antonio Business Journal reporter Jeanette Garcia is joined by Lou Mormon, co-founder at ScaleWorks and SoilWorks Natural Capital, and the former president of Rackspace. Lou, thanks for being with us here today. So can you start off by telling our audience about ScaleWorks and what its business mission is? Sure. Yeah, happy to be here. So ScaleWorks is a business we started about five years ago, and it's structured as a fund. And we sort of call ourselves venture equity, which uh, the idea of it is we buy companies, so majority stake in companies like private equity does. But like venture capital, our main goal is to grow companies. A lot of time, what private equity does is they try and optimize cash flow. And sometimes they cut costs, all those kinds of things. We like to uh, invest and hire, and uh, we try and grow these companies. So we saw that there was an opportunity in the market where either bootstrapped companies or companies that had gotten a lot of funding kind of hit a crossroads where they're not really in a good spot to, to keep going. And we can come in, put a new senior team in that's really re-energized, and uh, get these companies growing again. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We move these businesses to San Antonio. We might buy them from all over the place, uh, but we get them headquartered here and uh, we seek to grow them. And uh, if we're successful over time, there's probably a new owner that is likely right to take over after we get to a certain size. And uh, so we, we will then end up selling the companies when it makes sense. And obviously, I know that that isn't your only venture here in San Antonio. You have two other ventures that are also based here in San Antonio, one of them being a spinoff of ScaleWorks Element Finance and also SoilWorks Natural Capital. Can you tell us a little bit about those two businesses? Yeah, well, I mean, Element fits in perfectly with ScaleWorks. Element is a it's a debt fund. So we are actually making loans to companies that are similar to ScaleWorks type companies. In fact, we started it, our first clients were ScaleWorks companies. And it's really built on the idea that if you are a, you know, scale, all ScaleWorks companies are SaaS companies, software as a service companies, and none of them are making profits. We, we actually want to put every bit of profit back into the business. Well, if you want to get any credit, banks historically loan on a couple things. One is physical, tangible assets that they can then liquidate if something goes wrong, or a profit stream, which gives them a margin of safety knowing that that folks are going to pay them back and have the ability to pay them back. What we observed is that there are these new business models that have recurring revenue. So a software business today has customers that pay them every single month, and that revenue is generally coming in at a very high gross margin. So it can be converted to cash very easily. And in our mind, this is a radically better uh, piece of collateral than a refrigerator in a restaurant, for example, or a factory line in a manufacturing plant. Because when, when the recession hits, those things, you can't really sell them for much anyway. But recurring revenue SaaS businesses have very stable revenue and potential profit uh, sources. So we sort of decided that we could we could loan against this. And our companies originally could get no credit. We had no operating history and, and we couldn't get it. So, so we loaned to our own companies and then we started loaning to other software as a service companies. And it's a wonderful business and it creates a great opportunity for these businesses to grow without having to give away equity. 
because you know there's there's a huge venture capital market out there that can loan you that, that can give you equity, but it's extremely expensive, and you have to give up your company. And so this gives a, a nice alternative to to founders and and folks that are growing software businesses. And just a little bit more on that specific business, about how large are these loans that we're talking about? I mean, they're all all over the map. And we have you know hundred thousand dollar loans, and we have north of a million dollar loans. And so, I mean, we will loan. The, the biggest loan we will ever give is about six months of your revenue. So, um, you know, if if you are doing fifty thousand dollars a month in revenue, we will loan you up to three hundred thousand dollars based on a variety of different things in terms of how stable that revenue is, how much you're growing, all those kinds of things. So it's it's really about someone being able to take the revenue base they have and use it as collateral to then use that capital to grow and take it, take the business to the next step. Complete sense. And now, of course, I know you own your own farm, and that was a big reason why you decided to start the other venture, Soilworks Natural Capital. So can you tell us a little bit more about why you decided, your own personal story, and anything new that's going on with that company? Yeah, I mean, so Soilworks is uh, completely different than our day job, as we call it, in the SaaS world. Me and my partner, Ed Byrne, became passionate about regenerative agriculture. And we each sort of came to it in our own way. In fact, Ed pointed me to it. And I'll, I'll give you my own sort of journey to it. I mean, five years ago, I had no idea what regenerative agriculture was. But in that time, I had become sort of much more interested and concerned about our food system. My wife had uh, very bad cancer. She's doing great now. But she became very interested in the toxins in our food and how food was raised and um, how the food system actually works. And I became much more aware of our need to get away from the heavy chemical usage that we have in our food. And um, so that raised one one of my my antennas up on this kind of farming. Secondly, I'm interested in, in the climate and what are we doing to ensure we don't have runaway climate change and restore ecosystems. I'm interested in preserving land and ensuring we have healthy ecosystems. And this all came together when I bought a piece of property in the Hill Country. I mean, my wife bought a piece of property about seven or eight years ago, and it had been overgrazed for decades. And we were you know, very excited to sort of take the animals off and be great stewards of the land. And we expected nature just to all come you know, sort of flowing back into to the land. And that's actually not what happened. I mean, we, we started to see grass grow, but it it just sort of died and started to stack up. And we suddenly had a fire hazard and the ecosystem wasn't getting much healthier. And I was sort of lamenting it one day. And, and my partner said, well, you know, there is a way to do grazing correctly. And it's called, you know, rotational uh, mob grazing. And it's part of regenerative agriculture. You should read about it. And he, he gave me a book by a guy named Joel Salatin, and uh, who had restored land and by using these these practices. And I became fascinated by it. And I, I, I read books by him. And then I read books by Gabe Brown and Greg Judy. And uh, I ended up hiring Greg Judy to come to my land to help me sort of figure out how to do it. And uh, just became really obsessed with this idea. It really was one of these things where uh, I, I view it as just an unbelievable win-win-win in terms of creating better, more nutritious food, restoring land that actually sequesters carbon and restores ecosystems. And actually, for rural economies, it's a be- much better model and people can, can make more money. So Ed and I just kept talking and, and we decided that we were going to make this a passion project. And, and we think that we're business people at the core. And regenerative farming is really a niche kind of farmer's market movement. And we sort of said, how can we use our business 
knowledge and capital to help create more scalable businesses in regenerative agriculture and see if we can get it to go mainstream. So that's the mission of the business. And uh, we're just getting going, but, but we're having a lot of fun doing it. Beautiful. And I know that you've already invested in a few different companies. I know that you're just getting started, but I know at least you've had at least one uh, major investment, if not a couple. Can you just tell us a little bit about those businesses that you've already invested in? Yeah. So um, we, our first investment was we bought a company called Pasture Map and Pasture Map is a software tool. So, you know, from our roots, it was a great first investment and Pasture Map helps folks that are using rotational grazing track their their grazing patterns and create a grazing plan and one of the key aspects of grazing animals in a, in a regenerative way is ensuring that once you graze land that it gets plenty of time to rest and this software tool allows you to do that and i was a customer of the tool and got to know the founder and uh, they've done a great job but they had been doing it for six seven years and really didn't have a a great idea of how to grow it and take it to the next stage so we said hey let us buy it and and take it over and one of the things we always knew that we thought the future of the business was really around carbon credits. And as you might know, there's a big movement, in, especially in corporate America, but even governments are starting to get into this in terms of trying to offset and store carbon from the air. So um, we're a long way from stopping using fossil fuels altogether. And as long as we're using them, we need to find ways to get the carbon that gets in the air back into the soil or uh, in trees or, um, you know, or stored somewhere. And Grasslands are the biggest carbon sinks, and rotational grazing stores carbon. And so we we thought uh, we could really turn this into a business where instead of asking farmers for money, we would get them money by selling carbon credits. And we actually, on April 15th, we, we announced a merger with a company called Soil Value Exchange, which has sold carbon credits to Shopify and Marathon Energy and others. And so we're starting to pay ranchers uh, for, for doing these practices. And, and we think it's going to be a wonderful thing to change the economics and really incent more and more folks to graze their animals correctly. So that's one business. The other business is we started a, a meat company called Wholesome Meats. And uh, this is a regenerative meat brand. We're in the very early stages. We're in almost 30 restaurants and small grocery stores in San Antonio and Austin. You can also buy it online at getwholesome.com. And, uh, you know, this is family farm raised, but but regeneratively raised beef that's super nutritious and good for the environment. So we really think that this is the right alternative and the right next path for animal protein. We don't, you know, we can have a long chat about about Beyond Meat and, and Impossible. Uh, we think that this is not the right direction. So uh, we want to create a really viable alternative with the meat we know and love, and, and that's Wholesome Meats. Uh, so we've got some other businesses. We've got a grazing business. We've also invested in a company that is a an algae company that algae can be used to restore soils. And it's a very exciting business called True Algae. So anyway, we've made we made four investments and, and we're continuing to look and we're continuing to aggressively work on these businesses. Definitely a lot of great things just to, of course, help out our environment. And of course, you do speak throughout all of your ventures to a lot of founders. So obviously you invest in a lot of businesses as well. What are three key pieces of advice that you can give founders who are looking to potentially sell their ventures and catch the eye of, of an investor like yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, so I'll come to it from the, the software world, the venture capital world, and I'm somewhat contrarian in that regard these days. I mean, you know, we, ha- we live in such a capital-rich environment. There's so much capital flowing around. And, you know, one of the things I think that so many founders you're seeking to just get that next big capital raise. And I, I just generally think capital 
in in most situations does not solve all your problems. Um, it avoids you from solving your problems. In fact, you will start to waste money. And so I would sort of go, how do you run a very capital efficient business? Hang on to your business. When you go raise capital, you're giving away your business. So try and figure out how to do things in a capital light way and don't make yourself dependent on that next funding round. Because when you do that, you, you know, you, you just you reduce options if things don't go exactly as you plan. And, and most times they don't go exactly as you plan. So that'd be one thing is how do you how do you run a capital efficient business. The second thing is, is we believe in something we call category design, which is, you know, how do you go own a small market? It is very easy to be number one in a small market. It's hard to be number one in a big market. And any startup you know, has so many disadvantages. No one's heard of them. No one really cares about them. But if they can go solve a problem for a very specific use case or target customer, um, they can then turn that into something bigger. And um, I, th- I find that that many founders want to solve an enormous problem right out of the gate. And um, I just think it's better to solve a small problem than build from there. So that'd be another piece of advice I would give most founders. I guess the third thing I would say is just, you know, it's a total cliche, but I think that, you know, investing in key people in your, whatever those key positions are in your company, I think generally over-investing in, the, in if you can get the right people to over-invest in people, in certain spots that are going to make a big difference. I, I think it's hard to do that, but I think it's worth doing. And we've just found in our businesses that when we get the right people in the right spots, I mean, businesses just get transformed. So it's hard to get the right people in the right spots, but if you can do it, that might be one place to spend money. So uh, those would be three quick ones. Jeanette Garcia's conversation with Lou Mormon continues. Up next, we'll find out why the San Antonio native returned home when Texas Business Minds continues. At Texas Mutual, we know safety keeps good workers on their toes. That's why we're proud to be on the job with policyholder Texas Ballet Theater. Learn more about our safety-focused workers' comp at texasmutual.com slash on the job. Continuing our conversation on Texas Business Minds as ScaleWorks co-founder Lou Mormon joins San Antonio Business Journal reporter Jeanette Garcia. Now that our listeners know a little bit about your businesses, I know you're a native San Antonian. What made you come back here to San Antonio and actually like found your ventures in your hometown? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I never thought I'd come back to San Antonio, actually. I, I went away to school in high school and was gone for college and graduate school and my early jobs. And I really wasn't looking to move back to San Antonio at all. I happened to be back uh, for a holiday and was told I had to meet Graham Weston, who had a hot startup in town. And I was looking to join a startup. This is in 1999. The internet was booming and I was looking to join an internet startup. And uh, we happened to connect and uh, one thing led to another. And I was on a plane home and uh, have been here ever since. And I, I plan to be here till I'm done. So um, I love it here. And uh, it's, a, it's been a great place for me to raise my family and, and um, happy to be back. Beautiful. And to the listeners, in case you all do not know, that little startup is Rackspace, now Rackspace Technology, where um, Lou was actually once the president, correct? Yes. So, of course, that 
whole Rackspace in itself has done so much for our tech community here in San Antonio. And you specifically are a huge advocate for our tech community, so much so that you started a nonprofit that advocates on behalf of it called TechBlock. Why did you create this organization? And are there any key aspects that this organization is currently advocating for? Yeah. So when I moved on from Rackspace, I knew I wanted to stay in San Antonio and I knew I wanted San Antonio to to keep building. I wanted to create opportunities here. And I hope my kids would one day find opportunity here. And what I could see along with some key collaborators was that, you know, while, while we were growing and making strides, a lot of the new economy jobs were not cropping up here. Rackspace was a great success, but we did not have a critical mass of startups or uh, high growth companies. And what worried me about that is you have these cities where they get to critical mass and the opportunities just start to snowball. And because talent is drawn to talent and companies are drawn where other companies are and all these things build on each other. And, and we can see that right up the road in Austin. That's, that's what happened. It's happened in other places, uh, Seattle and Portland and many other cities. And you know what we were sort of trying to figure out is how do we help find the issues that are making it hard for those things to happen? And can we go make a difference to, to knock them down? So TechBlock really is kind of a, it's almost like a, a, almost like a trade association for the, for the tech community. And, and, you know, we work with the mayor and the city council and, and uh, we work on with companies to figure out what problems are and, and to really try and create events that might bring the community together anything we can do to sort of really speed things up. And look, I think San Antonio still is not a critical mass. We've, we've got a ways to go and we're still working at it. So we've got a number of initiatives that, that we work on in TechBlock. I mean, we run one of the biggest startup competitions, Tech Fuel, in town. Uh, we have monthly meetups, which we're going to get back going here in early summer. We're hoping to, to get people back together. We run big speaker events. We really help EDF and others when there's tech opportunities to try and make San Antonio sort of show all San Antonio has to offer. Um, so look, there's a, there's a number of things we're working on. Things come up all the time, but it's a small kind of volunteer-based group. I mean, it doesn't have a huge budget and we do it because we're passionate about San Antonio and we all want San Antonio to, to grow and create those opportunities. I mean, I think at the end of the day, cities are job markets and you know people leave cities because they can't find a job or they don't find the right job or they find a better job somewhere else. And what we want to do is keep our best talent here, attract talent from the outside. So, so everyone here has more opportunity and there's no question that technology is going to be a massive driver of jobs going forward. So uh, we got to keep after it and hopefully tech block can play a positive role going forward. Yes, of course. And I know obviously a big part of attracting and retaining those jobs is the whole Tech Talent Central initiative that y'all started. Can you tell me a little bit about how that is going? I think, you know, David Hurd, our CEO, and, and Dirk Elmendorf, now our chairman, you know, they, they'd probably be more informed uh, on the specifics of it. But, you know, we're really trying to create a database of people in San Antonio and opportunities in San Antonio. And we want to be a central point where people can go and see all the, the opportunities that exist. And we can sort of, for those that are looking for opportunity, we can help make introductions. So it really is a central repository. I think that the database is, is really getting quite big. And you know we have a great jobs listing site. 
And you know, if you're looking for opportunities in San Antonio, you know, you can go to Tech Talent Central and you can see those listings. I mean, it's we also have a newsletter that goes out every week that has a number of listings. And if you're if you're someone looking to hire, uh, we can help make introductions. So, you know, I, I think that this is we're really a facilitator, and we want to make those that are looking for jobs aware that the opportunity exists, and for those that are need talent, how they can get to talent. And that's, that's we're kind of a matchmaker in that way. We're not a formal recruiting agency or anything like that. It's really a a database of opportunity and people so we can get as many jobs filled as possible. And, and, and I think we're off to a great start. It's early days, but we're off to a good start. And for sure, like you mentioned, TechBlock in itself is an all-volunteer organization. So it's really great that a lot of like, it is driven by the tech industry community here within San Antonio. So a lot of great things coming out of there. So thank you for creating that, Lou. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you. And then, of course, we've all been in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. It looks like we're finally getting past some of the effects. But of course, now comes the recovery part. How, if at all, were any of your businesses affected by the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, I mean, I, I do think we're extraordinarily lucky in the software world to be able to work remotely and, you know, because people were using software tools even more than ever, most of these businesses grew. So, I mean, I, you know, there are so many people that were negatively impacted by what happened. We were extremely lucky to not be super negatively impacted. I mean, we miss seeing all our folks and I think everyone's tired of Zoom, um, as good, great of a tool as it is. So we're starting to get back together, but, but we've done quite well. I mean, we, we have one business that has a lot of customers in the, in the travel space that they had they obviously lost some business, but things are starting to recover. So we did really well and we got through it. And, you know, I just have a lot of sympathy for the industries that didn't. I have friends in the travel space and the restaurant space. And obviously, you know, these folks are really hurting. So, you know, I think just generally tech has been spared and been lucky and we're no exception. And then, of course, you mentioned everyone having that Zoom fatigue. How was that transition to just like completely go into Zoom? Um, and I know we're, were your offices at all open throughout the pandemic? You know, we closed for a short period of time and then we opened the office up volunteer only. And if there was, I remember we went, the, the regulations said 25%, 50%, and then you could open it all the way up. It's, we still, to this day, there's no one required to come to the office and it's, it's volunteer only. I bet we're back up to around 50%, maybe a little more today. Mm-hmm. And so, but but we did keep it open. And so folks who needed a place to go and get really good internet and needed space, homes can get crowded uh, with everyone home. So we did leave it open, but but I would say most of the time it was about 5% of the people over here. It was not very crowded. Um, and look, I think people, you know, I think people in the technology space are somewhat used to working remotely and, and having these kinds of meetings. So the transition was actually much easier than I thought. And, you know, I think it's, many people would say this, I think that operational work goes pretty well remotely and creative work, not as well, you know? So when you're trying to have big strategic brainstorming meetings or, you know, come up with really new ideas, it's really hard to do that on Zoom. If you're just doing an operational meeting and, and checking in on people and seeing how things are going, that stuff works really well. And so look, I, I, you know, my hunch is we will continue to have some remote days and give people some options to, to do things. But I think all these businesses are suffering a little bit from not having as much creative time. And Hopefully we'll we'll be able to make that up soon here. So I know we've gone through a gambit of so many different topics. 
Is there anything else you would like to add, Lou? No, you know, I mean, look, I think it's a critical and exciting time for, for Texas and San Antonio. I think one of the things that COVID's done is had everyone reevaluate, you know, where their business needs to be. And many people are moving and, and Texas is benefiting, you know, big time. And I think people can work remotely. And I think that this is a great time for, for Texas. And, and I think San Antonio really needs to, to participate in that. And it's something that's big on my mind in terms of, you know, I think Houston, Dallas and Austin are really thriving and, and they're getting a lot of the benefits of these companies moving. San Antonio is getting some, but I think we need to get a bigger share. And it's one of the things that we talk about a lot at Tech Block is how do we help our, you know, the government and EDF and others really attract these businesses. I mean, we've got a lot to offer here. We've got incredible people here. We do have a low cost of living compared to the rest of the state. We've got amazing culture. It's just such a rich place. And I think it's a hidden gem. And we need to get the word out. And San Antonio is a great place to be and a great place to build a business. I've built multiple businesses here and I wouldn't do it anywhere else. Um, I just think it's a fantastic place to be. So if you're listening to this and not in San Antonio, come take a look. And definitely, I know Lou's always pretty, well, Lou's pretty available if you contact him either through social media or through any of his company's website. Absolutely. I'll talk to anybody. Well, thank you so much, Lou, for your time today. Appreciate you having me. It's a lot of fun. Thanks again to Lou Mormon, co-founder at ScaleWorks and SoilWorks Natural Capital for joining us. And thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.